Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. I love giving honor where honor is due. Can you, can you just thank and bless the worship crew this morning for... Man, I... Uh, what a special, special moment with the Lord. Would you agree? Then I want you just to erupt right now for His glory. Go. I said it last week and I'm gonna say it every week until I die. Don't you ever make more noise for me or for Pastor Adrian or another man or another woman on this earth than you do for Lord Jesus, amen? This morning, welcome to week one of year six. <laughs> week one of year six, who knew? God did. Even when Pastor Adrian and myself, we certainly, we had questions. <laughs> But it's amazing to be here, and his presence is just so, he's so thick in this place. He is moving, he's alive, he is active, and he is sharper than any double-edged sword. Amen. He is piercing between bow and bone and marrow, soul and spirit right now, man. I am just praying, if you're new with us, buckle up, because baby, I'm praying he cuts us this morning. I'm praying he cuts us this morning. I didn't come to church to look the same. I didn't come to church to sound the same. I didn't come to church to be in his presence and leave the same. Amen. I came to be more like him, to be changed by him, to sound more like him, to think more like him, to act more like him. Amen. That's what we're going to do. This morning, for taking notes, we are continuing our year of being committed to Luke 1249 to set fire upon the earth we want to be a burnable people amen we want to be a combustible bride amen that's who we are we will do this until we become all flame or we bust amen this is who we are so this morning if you're taking notes i think it's like week eight or nine or something i don't care anymore i quit counting if you're taking notes i hope you're hungry is anybody hungry in the place Get your hunger pad out. If you don't have a hunger pad, there's one in front of you. That's what we're going to call notepads from now on. Hunger pads, okay? You get those open, you get ready to abuse them. Amen? You're like, this dude's intense. I am. We're going to abuse our hunger pads today. The title of my message is Firepower Witness. Firepower Witness. Firepower Witness. As you're writing that down, just say it to yourself. I'm a firepower witness. If you can't honestly declare that, say, Lord, make me into a firepower witness. Come on. Oh, and if you got your Bibles, bust those bad Jacksons out. If not, it'll be up on the Sky Bible. Everyone give it up for Rachel and Phil holding it down in the booth. We love you. We love you. Come on. Coming out of Acts 1. 1 through 11. Acts 1, 1 through 11. Acts 1, 1 through 11. If you're there, say I'm there. If you need another minute, say I need another minute. Psh, catch up. 
Acts 1, 1 through 11. Here we go. It'll be up on the Sky Bible. Let's get it. In the first book, oh, Theophilus, <laughs> Dr. Luke, what's, come on, man. I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to part, to not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Somebody say, wait. For the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, from John the Baptist with water, he was baptized, but you, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Jesus said to them, but I like to think he laughed at them. It is not for you to know times or season that the Father has fixed his own authority, but you will receive power. Somebody say power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the heavens? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, well, he will, he will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So we're going to pray and we're going to bust that open. Sound good? Oh, Father God, we just posture ourselves right now, Lord. We just posture ourselves for surgery, sanctification surgery. Come, have your way, Lord. Come, have your way. If there is any other spirit in this house right now, pay attention to me. If there's a spirit of unbelief, you are dismissed. If there is a spirit of disbelief, you are dismissed. If there is a spirit of skepticism, you are dismissed. A spirit of depression, you are dismissed. A spirit of suicide, you are dismissed. Anything, any spirit right now besides the Holy Spirit, if you are in the room and present upon our people, God's people, his children, his bride, his body, if you are present in the room, you are dismissed. Holy Spirit, you are invited. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this moment. Come rule, come reign, come take over this place and every soul in the room. Father, right now we long for nothing, 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 nothing besides you. So come, Lord Jesus, come. Father, right now I just pray and I speak. We birth the spirit of community in this room. Right now the Lord is saying there are too many lone rangers in the room. Too many people coming in, comfortable sitting by themselves, comfortable coming in and leaving all by themselves. That dies today. If that's you, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, and I call you to repentance of forsaking the fellowship. Just because you show up to church doesn't mean that you've been a part of the church. In Jesus' mighty name, right now, we cannot go where we're called to go together if you are not together with us in it. So right now, we call you to a place of repentance. We call you into brotherhood and sisterhood in the fellowship of the saints. And we praise God that you're here. We praise God that you're here. We praise God that you're here. Holy Spirit, come and have your way. In Jesus' mighty name. Faithful church said. Amen. So I've upset half of you already. It's okay. We'll get there together. Amen. Firepower witness. Firepower witness. Firepower witness. Man. 
We can look at our nation right now, and I love, ho, ho, do I love it? I love that it's 2023. Sorry, I got a little excited. It's 2023, and I love that we're going from we can look at our nation in 2020, 2021, 2022, and we just saw what? We saw a bunch of racial division, a bunch of political division, a bunch of bullcrap happening in the nation. Amen. Brothers and sisters of Christ turning the sword on one another. We saw political upheaval where we bent a knee and we worshiped golden calves called politicians. I love that we can go from 2020, 2021, and 2022 going. You can look at the nation, and those are all the things that we would dispel. But today, today, friends, we can stand today. We can look at our nation in 2023, and what is happening? God is making his name known again in our country. And guess what? It wasn't a politician, and it wasn't legislation. It's the spirit of salvation visiting America again. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. Come on. This is what is happening in the earth right now. And if you don't know about it, let me inform you real quick. God is at work again in his bride. See, right now, if you don't know, there's something that sparked about two weeks ago, bless you, in the campus of Asbury, a small college in the hills of Kentucky. The hills of Kentucky. What good can come out of Nazareth? Well, Jesus. What good can come out of Kentucky? Revival. Come on, somebody. Man, God bless the rednecks in Kentucky. They are hungry. Let's get it. But you can look at it, and you can look at it right now, and you can see God is at work in our nation again. That God is not going to allow Satan to be worshipped at the Grammys and not blow up our entire program and go, no. I'm the glorious one. I'm the one worthy of worship. I'm the one that is ruling and reigning. I am he. I am the one. I am, I am, I am. I am. Amen. And right now, friends, we have got to decide. We have got to decide. I see what's happening at Asbury, and it's bursting out among other churches, other campuses, all across our nation. And if I'm being frank and I'm being honest, which you know I always will be, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I am jealous for this. Because I want to see this not just happen in takeover church. I'm not insta- I am not interested in Instagram clicks. I don't care. I don't care about Instagram. I don't care about Facebook. I don't care about popularity. I don't care. Burn in the glory. I'm interested in an ancient presence dwelling among an ancient-minded people. I don't care. I do not care. When we talk about revival, it is something that's near and dear to my heart. And I heard this Leonard Ravenhill quote this week that has really messed me up. It's burning me up. He said, there's a great book called Revival Terries. If you don't have it, please get it. Please get it. It's amazing. Leonard Ravenhill, he said, you don't need to advertise a fire. So set yourself ablaze and people will show up to watch a man burn. And I am convinced. I am mad, falling out of my tree, going, I am going to be the most on fire person. I'm going to annoy our team. I'm going to offend people in our community. I am contending to be the most burning person in our region. 
Well, Pastor Matt, it's not a competition. To me, it is. <laughs> to me, it is. I want to burn. I want to burn. Not because revival's cool. Not because revival is this clickbait word. Lord knows before we had the warehouse. Lord knows before we were at 3584 Roger B. Chaffee. Lord knows we were in a basement with 12 people in it after COVID opened up and our crazy governor decided to let people do things and we decided we're going to go after revival. The Lord said, Matt, come get weird with me again. And I said, you got it. Twofold. One, you asked. Two, it's not really an ask. He said, come. It's an invitation. It's an invitation. And I am so jealous for what is happening. I am so coveting what is happening. And friends, I honest to God, I think that if there's things in this life that Jesus definitely goes, you can covet something, it's revival. It's his presence. I think you could be jealous for him. I think you can look at your brothers and sisters and you can go, you know what? I want more time with my dad. I want my dad around a whole lot more. I want my dad to be in my house. I want him to come and visit me. I want him to come and spend time and stay the weekend in a week at my house. Amen. I think we can look at our brothers and sisters and go, Father, what you're doing there, do here. But friends, you know what it's going to take? It's going to take uniting around a desperate revelation that we need him. It's going to take uniting around a desperate revelation that we need him. Hear me today, friends. One of the things that we need to do as a church, I'm not just talking about the church at large right now. I'm talking about Takeover Church. I love the banners. I love our heart. I love it. But friends... If we're going to catch the fire, if we're going to join in with what the Spirit of God is doing in the nation right now, if we're not going to miss out on this moment, friends, it has to be more than just eight staff members on a Monday night crying out to God, moving our region. It has to go beyond 15 tent pegs on a Monday night saying, God, won't you do it here? No, friends, it is going to take a church that is not satisfied, but is unified in desperate revelation that we need him. We need to repent of self-sufficiency. We need to repent of self-sufficiency. We need to repent that we thought we bought the lie because religion, because our culture, and because the devil sold us a lie. We bought it tooth sinker and sinner, friends. That we could live this life without him. That we could exist in cultural Christianity without the Christ and the word Christian. That we could demand the favor of God and remain untouched by the fire of God. God, just have favor on me. He says, I'd rather have fire upon you. God, have favor in my finances. I'd rather have your finances on fire. God, have favor in my marriage. I'd rather have your marriage on fire. God, show me favor while I'm dating. I'd rather your single season be on fire. At some point in time, we allowed the religious principality hovering above our region to decide for us how much of God we will taste and see, how much of God we will obtain, how much of God we will have, how much of God we will possess in our land. And we have fallen for it, friends. Hook, line, and sinker.
We bought it. It's going to take uniting around a desperate revelation that we cannot do this without him. We cannot follow God without actually following God. Some of us in this room today, the most we interact with him on a personal level daily is we get home at, from work at 6 o'clock p.m. and we say, thank God I made it through another day. We talk about God like he's not in the room instead of talking to God because he is in the room and we say things around God and about God but never to God and right now he's saying if you want it I have to be in it you can't just live around me I have to live in you and you in me we've got to be a united people around a desperate revelation we can't do this without him you see, because we look at Asbury, and you know what? We look at Asbury, and it's amazing. And we all go, wow, I want to see a massive move of the Holy Spirit like that in our region. We all get excited about revival. Right now, we are seeing something in our generation, us, okay? Anybody in this room from 50 on up, we've not seen in the earth. We haven't seen this since the 70s. We are seeing something right now that we have not seen in our nation. And we're going, yeah, I want to see a mass move of God. I want to see a mass move of God right there. Friends, can I tell you, a mass move of God is going to be the most inconvenient thing in the world to you. One of the biggest sins of the American church is that we've busied ourselves, and we've busied ourselves too much for revival. We are too busy for revival and I'm not talking about some fluffy five steps to better restful life crud I'm talking about a broken people before a holy God saying I need more of you I can't do this life apart from you I need you in my region. I cannot go down Monroe anymore, downtown, and just see every other banner, every other God, every other idol lifted up except the one true God in my region. I can't stand to be in Grand Rapids. I can't stand to be in Cedar Springs. I can't stand to be in Wayland, Byron, Kentwood, Wyoming, Rockford, Sparta, wherever. I cannot stand to live in a place where Baal is king, where babies are sacrificed, where children are being mutilated, while the rainbow has been hijacked from God's promises to man's promiscuity. I need you. I need you. But see, we want this mass move. Well, Pastor Matt, if I saw, <laughs> heck yeah, if uh, what I saw on Instagram was happening in our auditorium, sure as heck bet it'd be worth my while. Problem is, a mass move of God doesn't begin with a mass move of God. A mass move of God doesn't begin in a mass move of God in a massive room. 
A mass move of God begins when a mass move of God happens and takes place upon and within the one. In the one. You see, Asbury, it has, you're ready for this? You want to hear some math? Six, 1,600 students. It's like 1,630. 1,630 students. 19 of them were in the auditorium. And one repented publicly of their sin. You hear that? That's 1%. 19 people out of 1,600 is 1%. And one person publicly repenting of their sin has set a nation on fire and has allowed God to break in, break out, and break through in our nation. I said 1% has allowed God the room. One person, 19 worshipers, have allowed God, have prepared the way for God, like John the Baptist in the hills of Kentucky, to break out, to break in, and break through in our nation again. Praise him. But they didn't wait. They didn't wait to worship God. They didn't stay in the auditorium. They didn't go through all of this just to sit there for the Instagram clicks, for the celebrity pastors to roll in, for this thing to take the country by storm. They didn't wait for it to show up on Tucker Carlson on Fox News. They didn't wait for that. What happened was a mass move of God happened in the room and nobody saw it. We're all waiting to see what it happens on Instagram, what it looks like on Instagram. It happened inside one man. One 20-year-old boy had a mass move of God happen on the inside of him, and he began to publicly repent for his sin. Friends, when was the last time you publicly repented for your sin? Most of us in this room, truth be told, we wouldn't publicly repent for our sin if we knew on the backside of it was a guaranteed revival. Bottom line is, most of us, we would not publicly repent for our sin if we knew it would set us right with God and right with whoever we sinned against. Let alone mass revival. You see, because what mass move of God happened on that young man. It's not vogue. It's not sexy. It's not worth clicking on Instagram. In fact, nobody else saw it in the room, but one man had it happen on the inside of him, and it spread to 19 others, and suddenly what started with 1% of a college campus has taken our nation Every large church and small church in our country is posting about revival, whether they're for it or against it. And right now, God is making himself known to America again. And it was through a spirit of salvation, not a declaration or a legislation. It was through disciples and not dictators. Praise God. His bride is hungry. Are you hungry? Because it's going to take a great uniting. You see, what happened in that room was a hunger and a thirst and a desperation among 19 people. What could he do? Look around. Look how many there are. We're going to need to put out more chairs. Look at us. Look what God's doing right now. But are we uniting and are we 
desperately uniting around the revelation that we need him. Friends, I gotta tell you, I've gotta tell you, if this doesn't change your life, if this moment doesn't change your conversation at lunch, if this moment doesn't change your Monday, if this doesn't change your next six months, if this doesn't change your next year, this was nothing more than a pep rally. And I'm not a cheerleader. I'm not a cheerleader. We are his church. We are his bride. We are called to be fire-powered witnesses in the earth. Problem is, God's calling for a witness, yet the church is found witless. God is calling for a witness, and the church is cowardly, is scared, is bowing to Baal and culture. He wants a witness, and we are found witless. Let it be said of us that we are his witness in the earth. Let it be said of us that we gave our lives for his presence. Let it be said of us that we gave our lives for revival. Let it be said of us that when we get to heaven, we didn't just live unto ourselves, but we lived unto a greater glory. Amen. Let it be said of us that our years on this earth, they were not wasted. They were spent at the feet of Jesus. There's some oil on that phrase, let it be said of us. And I want it to wreck us. I want it to haunt us. I want it to disturb us. I want our lives to be marked with this phrase, what do you want your life to be said of you? What will your testimony be? Let it be said of us that our hearts belong to Jesus. Let it be said of us that our lives belong to Jesus. You see, friends, there's not a single, single solitary scripture in the Bible. Hear me today, I'm going to ruin some bumper stickers. There is not a single solitary verse in the Bible about our relationship with God where he says, just give me your heart. Just invite me into your heart. I just want to come and live in your heart. It's not in the Bible. Mind blown? It's not in the Bible. But every single verse in response to our relationship with him is a demand of our lives and the entirety there of it. You see, we've allowed the spirit of religion to say, yeah, you can offer God your heart, but you can keep your life. We've allowed the spirit of religion. Somebody just said, ooh, dang. We've allowed the spirit of religion to say, just give God your heart. He knows your heart. He does. It's sinful and betraying, and that's why he sent Jesus. So that he could what? Take over your life. But we've allowed this religious principality in Grand Rapids, in this West Michigan region, in this Midwest, Midwest nice. Let me disturb the Midwest nice Christianity. You're not enough. You're not powerful enough. You're not big enough to fix what's broken in me and restore me to what God has called me to, principality. We are gutting you. We have made it our lives work to see religion torn down and revival brought in. Yeah. 
This is what we're going to do with our lives. This is what we're going to do with our lives. I'm going to preach to anybody this morning. Can I get a witness? So Jesus, in this moment in Scripture, he spent three years with his disciples, calling people, bringing them onto himself, drawing all men unto himself. And I believe today what we're seeing in the earth is Jesus saying again, after all the political mayhem, all the division, all the country, all the stuff for the last three years, he's going, eyes on me. I still draw all men. I still draw all women onto myself. Don't you dare be fooled that it comes by any other means. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by the Spirit of God. And so Jesus, he just came back from the dead, rose again. Three years of ministry, crucifixion has happened, bloodied, beaten, ripped apart, and his blood spilled out. Kicked the devil in the teeth, took back the keys to eternity, rose again, and goes and spends another 40 days telling his disciples about the kingdom of God. And that's where we arrive at this part. You see, Dr. Luke, that's why I call him that, because if you don't know, the author of Acts is Dr. Luke. Who's Dr. Luke? He wrote the book of Luke. He's a physician who Jesus said, hey, drop your stethoscope and follow me. They didn't have those back then, I understand that, but... Drop your gear. Follow me. And so Dr. Luke, he actually, he starts this whole entire book of Acts off. And he says, I finished my first book, which was the Gospel of Luke. And now I'm writing to tell you about what Jesus has spoken to us and called us to do by the Holy Spirit. And he said, Jesus showed up. And he showed himself. He presented himself to us with many proofs. Can I enlighten you what that means real quick? Many proofs. That means Luke, the physician. This is why, again, the, book, the gospel of Luke is so detailed and the book of Acts is so detailed. Because if you have a doctor, you want him to what? Be detailed. <laughs> you want her to what? Be detailed. If you have a doctor who is not into the details, run. Run. But Dr. Luke, he's into the details and he says Jesus presented himself to us in many proofs. Do you know what that means? That means not only did Dr. Luke get a good look at him and go, yeah, that's Jesus. It's not just another bearded, long-haired hippie. It's Jesus. But he was able to look at his scars on his hands, the wounds on his feet, the hole in his side, the gashes from the crown of thorns on his forehead, the whips upon his back that ripped him apart. The Bible tells us that though he is not continuously bleeding, his scars remain. That while he has a new perfected body, his scars remain. And when Jesus revealed himself to his disciples, it says that he had hidden himself from their sight. He had blinded himself to them. And then he made a grand reveal once he had been among them for a little bit. So that means that Dr. Luke, he got a good look at this resurrected man who had clearly been torn apart. At this resurrected man who had clearly been spilled out. And then through a great revealing and probably more miracles and probably more enlightening and revelations among the kingdom of heaven, Dr. Luke and the other disciples decided 
Jesus is him. Jesus is him. This is Jesus. He said what he said and he fulfilled it. So friends, we have to decide in every single one of us, I don't mean just me and our staff. I mean you. I mean you and I mean you. You, we, together, we have to decide. From this moment forward, he is either everything he said he was or he is none of what he said he was. Because by proxy, you are everything he says you are or you are none of what he says you are. You hear me this morning? Can I get a witness? He is either who he said he is or he is none of what he said he is. And by proxy, you are either all he says that you are or you are none of it. But Dr. Luke, he says, no, 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 no. I've examined his glorified body. I've seen that he was a ripped apart man who was resurrected. And if we decide today that we're going to believe that, that means that we have to then by proxy believe everything else that comes after this. Everything. That means he's a man of his word. You see, friends, today, one of the things that Jesus is trying to birth in his bride is the revelation that he is a man of his word. And when he reproduces himself in you, he's calling you to be a man or a woman of his word and of your own. Somebody say, sheesh. sheesh. Michael, that was for you, and you failed me. <laughs> Michael? Sheesh. There we go. That's that Holy Spirit, sheesh. But it's true. As he reproduces himself in us, friends, he is a man of his word, and he's calling you and I to be men and women of his word and also our own. Friends, if we're going to go into everything that he begins to open up here in Acts 1, if we're going to take on all that he is, it is going to take a great ridding of ourselves, shedding of ourselves, abandonment, forfeiting of ourselves, and taking on all that he is. That's why I cast out spirit of disbelief and unbelief in the beginning of service. Because we're, I'm not contending with any other spirit. The Holy Spirit will not share the room. He will not share his throne. Jesus has no co-pilots. He only has co-laborers, and that's you and me. It's certainly not the demonic. And Amen? So Dr. Luke, he says he's proved himself to us. He's proved himself to us. And then Jesus, Jesus goes on to say, listen here, fellas. I'm going back to heaven. I'm going back to heaven. And as they're talking about the kingdom of God, here his disciples go and they say something so dumb. They say, Jesus, does this mean you're finally going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And you know that Jesus just looked at them like facepalm. Like, you know what I mean? The most glorious facepalm happened like, oh my gosh. Like, oh my God, oh me, oh me, oh my God, oh me. Oh, what, what have I done? Who have I chosen? <sighs> Peter, I called you to be the rock, not be dumb as a rock. Ugh. 
Because you know Jesus is going, listen, I've spent three years and I died and I've spent 40 days telling you this has never been about restoring Israel and pulling down Rome. And there's some Christians in the room today, and there's some Christians in our nation today that need to understand, listen, yes, America being restored to some place of prominence biblically would be amazing. We all want that. So we need to what? We need to vote in kingdom-minded, Holy Spirit-filled, and guess what? Scripture-submitted politicians. But is that the chief end of the bride of Christ? Absolutely not. Is that the chief end of why Jesus went to the cross? Absolutely not. It is good, it is great, it is awesome, but it is not the end all be all kingdom. There's a higher kingdom, there's a greater kingdom. I'm not preaching to anybody this morning. And so that's exactly what Peter's saying. Or that's exactly what Jesus is saying to the disciples. He's like, it's not up to you to know the times or the seasons that God has ordered things by his authority. Pause. How many of you are grateful that it's not up to us to know the times or the seasons? It's good. And here's the thing. Jesus says that he ordered by his authority. See, we, we have the misconception that authority is simply power. No, authority is not simply power. Authority is authorship authority author the power of the pen that means that when God speaks it he not only speaks it but it is written and when it is written it will happen amen is there anybody in here today that is grateful that when God speaks it it will happen that's who he is that's who he is. And so I'm grateful that Jesus enlightens all of us. Man, it is not up to you to know the times or the seasons that God does anything. He has hung it and he has fixed it, he says. Not ordered, he said he fixed it. By his authority, his authorship. It's more than just sheer might and power. It is the authority, the authorship of God. See, so many of us, we want the power of God, but we don't want the authorship of his hand. I'm all about the power of God. But some of us, we want to be the ones writing the story. God's like, sheesh, my power is more effective when my hand's on the pen, not yours. I appreciate anybody this morning. And so, moving along, Jesus goes, stay, wait, fan the flames. Because the power of God is going to come upon you. And when it does, it's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And you will be my witnesses unto the end of the earth. You see, this, this word power, it's a word that I love to use here frequently. And I love that this is like the 50th time I've preached on the scripture in the history of our church. And God keeps giving me fresh revelation and insight into it. And it's amazing. And I'm just so grateful that he... He likes spending time with me as much as he does. But it's this Greek word, it's called dunamis. Somebody say dunamis. 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 Can we put that up on the screen there, Rachel? Check this out. This is what dunamis means. God's power, God's strength, God's capability, God's intrinsic power. Fire-powered witnesses. Fire, powered, witnesses. Fire, Holy Spirit. Power, God's intrinsic power. Witnesses, you and me. This is who we are called to be. Amen? Amen. But here's the deal. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses 
unto the ends of the earth. Problem is, most of us Christians, we haven't even been witnesses in our own workplace. We haven't even been witnesses in our own families. We haven't even been witnesses in our own relationships. Because what does witness mean? In order to be a witness, guess what, friends? You've had to see some things. In order to be a witness, you've got to be able to testify to some things. In order to be a witness, there has got to be some evidence of God at work and in and through your life. Amen? Amen. Can you honestly take an evaluation today and go, I'm a witness? Because that means that you have seen some things, that you've done some things, that you've co-labored in some things, you've commiserated some things, you've been commissioned into some things, you have gone with God into co-laboring into some things, and your life bears the evidence of it. Fire-powered witnesses. What evidence of God's power at work in your life does your life hold? If the cross is a crime, if the cross is a crime scene where the God of the universe ransacked and robbed hell of all of its power, what resurrection evidence is at work in your life? Preaching anybody this morning, can I get a witness? There should be some evidence in our lives. Let it be said of us that there's evidence in our lives. Friends, it says God's power, God's capability, God's intrinsic power. Friends, I am over this religious principality once again that has told you, that has lied to you, that has told you that if you came to know Jesus and all you got was a moral upgrade but not a power upgrade, friends, we've missed it. We've missed it. We've missed it. Because what happens when you simply have behavior modification, but you don't have a resurrection, is that you will keep trying to play keep up and keep away and clean up with your sin. Instead of walking in the fullness and the power of the resurrected life that Jesus paid for on the cross. Friends, the cross is a crime scene, but it's not of the crimes committed against Jesus. It is the crime that Jesus committed against Satan and the rulers and powers of authority of this world. When he stole you back, he paid for you back. The devil didn't even agree to this deal, and God said, I'm going to make it anyways. And it's out of that resurrected life that there should be evidence his fingerprints should be all over the resurrected, crucified crime scene called your life, is it? Is it? There should be evidence of God's power at work in our lives. There should be evidence of God's restoration at work in our marriage. There should be evidence of God's power at work in our sexuality, our holiness, and our purity. Right now, instead, we've thrown out purity and we've called it hateful and hurtful language. He's the purifying God. Are you kidding me? I should have evidence of purity at work in my life. You should have evidence of holiness at work in your life. He says, you unto the ends of the earth, you will be my fire-powered witnesses. See, friends, it takes God to live for God. 
You were never intended to play a cultural Christian and live a life proclaiming Christ, but going about a life completely absent of Christ. Worship team, you can make your way up here. You see, friends, 1% of a college sparked a revival in the nation. Will we join in with that? Could there be 1% of our region that says, God, we want to see evidence of your power in our region. We want to see evidence of your intrinsic power in our region. What happens, friends, when the 1% of Grand Rapids begins to tarry and travail? I'm talking about deep, gutterly prayers, desperate and urgent for a living God to visit a dead people. What happens when Grand Rapids gets set ablaze for his glory? And all of a sudden, we've got people from Flint. We've got people from Detroit. We've got people from Escanaba. We've got people from Elkhart, Indiana, and Chicago. And they're going, have you heard about the God in Grand Rapids? I'm hearing rumors that cancer's being healed. I've heard some things. The word on the street right now is that demons are real and they're getting delivered at 3584 Roger B. Chaffee. Man, I don't know. I was flipping through TikTok and I was watching some dumb fail videos and then all of a sudden I got raptured. And all of a sudden I saw something happen on Instagram and on Facebook and I saw these things where, where there was a people completely given over, given entirely and fully completely over to what they believed to be God. And something in me began to shake and something began, me, began to change on the inside of me. And I couldn't help but drive up. Man, if I can get out of this wheelchair, I'm gonna get there. If I could be set free from needing these pills and these bottles to get through my day, I'm going to get there. I don't have the language. All I have is the evidence for what is happening in Grand Rapids. And I know that not only can I not live without it, I've never lived until I experience it. Would you stand? Would you stand? Friends, friends, this is more than hyperbole. This is more than hype. This is an urgent call to you to be a witness in the earth, but not just a witness in speech, but a witness in conduct. Conduct. AKA a conductor, a conductor of what? God's dunamis power. Friends, I'm praying today, we're gonna go into a worship song and I'm opening up the altar. I'm praying today that it would be said of us, let it be said of us, God, that when anybody who's a part of Takeover Church, when they go into the workplace, the atmosphere changes. 
Let it be said of us that when someone comes into our home, anyone who's a part of Takeover Church, when you open your front door and they pass through your threshold, the temperature and climate of their life changes. Suddenly their lives begin to get warm simply from being in your presence. Let it be said of us that in our region, we didn't miss out on what God is doing in the earth in this time, but instead we united. We united in a desperate revelation that cultural Christianity has lost its taste. That the sweetness of ownership of my own life has grown dim, has grown bitter, and that I need Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let it be said of us that we gave our lives to see revival in this region. Let it be said of us that we risked limb, life, and reputation in the Midwest to see this church not just full in one service, but full every service until this wineskin can't hold us anymore. Let it be said of us that we are found not just with Jesus in this moment, but we are found with Jesus when no one else is looking. That we're faithful in the obscurity as much as we're faithful in the popularity. Let it be said of us. Let it be said of us, let it be said of us, let it be said of us that we did not waste our lives, but we spent it at the feet of Jesus. As we go into this last song of worship, I invite you up. Right now, we are praying for a baptism of fire. We are praying for the dunamis power of God to fall on our lives, that the Holy Spirit would be in us, for us, but the dunamis power of God would be on us for them. That right now, Lord, what you're doing, what you're doing in the earth, God, we join in with heaven's song. We join in with the desperate cries of the youth of Asbury, God, of the spirit of revelation that's happening in the earth. That we can't do this without you. If that's you, come forward. If that's you, come forward. If it's even just 1% in this room, God, I know that you can do it. If you could do it with 1% in the hills of Kentucky, God, you can do it here in the city of Grand Rapids, God. Come forward, come forward. Don't wait for me. Don't wait for me. You don't honor me by waiting for me. Honor God by coming forward when he calls you. Come forward. Don't be too busy for God in this moment. The dunamis power of God is falling in this place on the young and the old alike. What would our city look like if the old got the power of God? What would it look like if the young got the power of God? If the married and the singles got the power of God? Lord, we want to see, we want to see revival, God. Let it be said of us, 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 God. Put down the pen in my hand. God. Let it be said of us. We got young and old on their faces down here. Let it be You're said of us. Dunamis power of God. Come rest on God. us. Come rule in this room. God, right now, Lord, we will fan the flames. We will fan the flames. The We're not too busy. We're ready to be inconvenienced. 
Let's get it right.